The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. If you're keeping track, this is episode number what, 215 in our series called Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. And if you're not keeping track, you might like to know that we have 20 other series that are spinoffs of Game Changers Radio, something for everyone. We'll talk about that later, and I'll tell you about some brand new series we're launching this month. Today's buzz, GPS. Well, it's not in your car. It's out there in the world, GPS for Small Business 2016. Let me get started. The IMF recently had good news for entrepreneurs and small business owners. What did they say? Well, listen up. The underlying drivers for acceleration in consumption and investment in the U.S., I know that's a big mouthful here, they mean wage growth, they mean labor market conditions, they mean easy finance conditions, lower fuel prices, a stronger housing market. Guess what? The IMF says these are all intact. I think that's good news. But how will this impact you, whether you're a brand new entrepreneur, what I like to call someone with a gleam in your eye, getting ready to start a business and take the world hopefully by storm. If you're already a small business owner, how will this impact your business, your employees, your customers, your ability to do global trade? All very important to your business success. And we're going to pair that question with something else. Is 2016 the year you finally get around to hiring a business coach or a mentor? We think the two go together. All of the right business conditions and getting input, getting advice, getting coaching, and even just a pat on the back or maybe a hug from somebody who's been there, done that. And by the way, January, we're still in January last I checked, January is National Mentoring Month. Let me give you a little side note to why we're talking about this today. SAP recently held a Big Dreams sweepstakes. In fall 2015, the contest closed in 20, October 23rd, and it was open to small business owners, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs, all the people in our audience we're talking to today. What was the prize? Fantastic. Three one-on-one coaching sessions with Susan Solovic. Yes, the Susan Solovic, the capital T-H-E small business expert who happens to be on the show today. And the sessions were valued at $5,000. That's a lot of moolah for coaching. So a winner has been selected and they're already in the process of getting coached by Susan. And someday soon this year, we will hopefully bring that person on with Susan and find out how the process was going. So today we're going to cover business predictions from our experts as well as coaching, mentoring, 
is it right for you? And a big shout out to Jacqueline Jackie Prouse, my colleague at SAP, who created this topic, worked on the sweepstakes, and helped put together the panel. So let's introduce our special guest today, Susan Solovic, the, I love the T-H-E. Susan, I think it should be the Susan Solovic a.k.a. the small business expert. She's an award-winning serial entrepreneur, meaning she's in the trenches, been there, done that. She is a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Amazon.com, Top 100 in USA Today, best-selling author, and she's an attorney in, in her previous life. Here's the quote Susan sent me for the opening. It's from Stuart B. Johnson. I didn't know who he was. He was the 70th governor of Vermont from 1955. And a fascinating backstory. Go look it up yourself. Here's the quote. Our business in life is not to get ahead of others, but to get ahead of ourselves, to break our own records, to outstrip our yesterday by our today. I love this quote. Susan Solovic, Happy New Year. How have you been? Well, I'm well, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the show again, and Happy New Year to you. Thank you. We're so delighted because you're part of the sweepstakes. You were you were the prize, Susan. I'm sure you hear that I a lot. I was. You and you know prize. it was it's been so much fun and actually the winner she is a professional sweepstakes winner and her business is helping others like me who's never won anything in my life figure out how to be a winner in these these programs and opportunities Get out. That's fascinating. So I hope Isn't that you and cool? yeah. yeah, that's it's it's like a tautology. It's like going around in a circle. It all adds up to the same equation of winner, winner, winner in a very, very real way. Oh, we have to meet her. So we will plan another session this spring when you and she are ready and we'll bring on a couple of other people to talk about that. Susan, how exciting. Now tell me about this fantastic quote from Stuart Stuart B. Johnson. How do you know who who he is? Well, I, I just said he's the seventieth governor of Vermont from 1955 to 59. Susan, a lot of our listeners weren't even born then. But why is this quote so important? How did you find it? Talk to me. Well, you know, I, I'm always looking at for inspirational quotes, but this one really resonated with me because I was never, uh, I never played sports growing up. So never had that team uh, uh, feeling and, you know, that competitive thing where you're out there to beat the other team. Uh, but I was a dancer. I was a musician. And so for me, and even today, uh, with my business, when I'm exercising, I'm not in competition with anyone else. I want to be the best version of myself, and I push myself always just a little bit harder. There's always just a little bit more you can do, just a little bit of enhancement or improvement for yourself, and you just don't sit back and rest on your laurels. I think we spend way too much time looking around us and trying to copy and uh, you know, do what everybody else is doing and, you know, beat them out. Why not just improve yourself, enhance the best of what you are, and bring that to the market and to the universe, and then they'll pay huge dividends. I love that. That's a motivational statement. I think, uh, well, you know me. I love to say I'm going to crochet it on a pillow or paint it on a wall. I don't know. If I try to paint it on the side of the one of the Long Island Railroad stations, they'll probably have me arrested, but I'll find a way to put that out there somewhere. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Very interesting quote, and I really enjoyed looking up the background of Stuart. That's S-T-E-W-A-R-T, middle initial B, Johnson. And by the way, he was born in Sweden, moved his family to Windsor County, Vermont, became a U.S. citizen, became a mechanical engineer. He started as a draftsman. He became general manager of a company. And eventually he went on to political life and became the governor of Vermont. What an interesting story. Thank you, Susan. Always wonderful to speak with you. And now let's introduce somebody who 
Susan knows very well. She's Karen Kerrigan, President and CEO of the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. Karen testifies regularly before Congress and meets with the President's advisors on key issues impacting entrepreneurs. Inc. Magazine puts her on its best friend for small business list, and the Hill newspaper once called Karen Kerrigan the hardest working woman in show business. I think it's all show business. Karen sent me a wonderful quote, I want to say a wonderful dream, a wonderful quote from C.S. Lewis, novelist and poet, best known for his fictional work, including the Chronicles of Narnia. And here's the quote, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Oh, Karen Kerrigan, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Looking forward we to We are this delighted. Hour. You've got some pedigree there, and I know you and Susan know each other because she's involved in your organization. So, Karen, tell me, how did you pick this quote from C.S. Lewis? Uh, he talks about dreams and goals, and he's a fictional writer. So how does this relate to our topic of the real world of being an entrepreneur or a small business owner? Well, like Susan, I, I always look for inspirational quotes, and C.S. Lewis just seems to have just um, some very simple, practical ones and uh, inspirational ones, particularly when it comes to entrepreneurs and, and entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, during the course of my day on a daily basis, I meet with all types of people um, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s who feel like they're stuck and that, you know, they've created a path for themselves that they can't get out of and um, are, are unfulfilled. And so, you know, age is just a number, and success is based on the will to achieve and to persist through struggles. And, um, uh, you know, with, uh, and, and, and like C.S. Lewis says, you know, you're never too old to uh, pursue a new goal, whether that is starting a new business, running a marathon, traveling, uh, et cetera, or to dream a new dream. And, you know, when it comes to business ownership and age, um, gosh, I mean, if you look back at, at history and recent history, there's folks that are in their 50s and 60s and 70s who have started um, very uh, successful businesses. And, in fact, those aged 55 to 64 in the U.S. have had the highest rate of entrepreneurial activity in the last 10 years. So uh, wow. the country certainly needs more entrepreneurs and uh, we're just, uh, we think it's, I think it's fantastic that many people are, uh, are, 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 are starting, are, are creating businesses and becoming entrepreneurs later in life because our economy certainly needs them. It certainly does. And, and Karen, this ties in so beautifully to the quote Susan Solovic shared from Stuart B. Johnson about breaking our own records, outstripping our yesterday by our today. And there are no limits on that. There's no statute of limitations. Last I checked on having a great idea. And, and perhaps the best time of life is when you have all this experience and maybe some time on your hands, which will quickly disappear if you become an entrepreneur and small business exactly. owner. We all know that. So if you're bored sitting around with nothing to do, start a business and you will never be born again. Thank you very much, Karen Kerrigan. Pleasure to have you on the show. Actually, uh, a privilege. And thank you so much. And now let me introduce our third panelist. She is Lorraine Maurice, M-A-U-R-I-C, if you're looking her up. She's a Senior Director of Global Indirect Channel Marketing at SAP. And Lorraine comes to us with a strong balance of what she calls entrepreneurial thinking and corporate governance. I love that because those are some very important ingredients. And 
Lorraine has sent me a quote from Mark Cuban. Now, I'm a big Mark Cuban fan. I first came across him when he was a contestant on Dancing with the Stars. I don't think he was that good. But what's interesting was he started giving dance lessons. I don't know if Lorraine knows this. Mark Cuban needed to pay for his education, for his college tuition. So he gave dance lessons, which led him to host lavish disco parties, I swear, at the Bloomington National Guard Armory. But I digress. Most important about Mark Cuban was, and this is a a tech fact about him. He was the first NBA team owner to start his own blog, writing about basketball and technology. Certainly a tenacious man who wanted to carve a better life for himself from very humble beginnings. And here, is, by the way, he owns uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Yes. Uh, here's the quote from Mark Cuban. It comes down to finding something you love to do and then just trying to be great at it. Lorraine Maurice, welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. Thrilled to be here. We're delighted. Tell me, are you a big Mark Cuban fan? Was it from his dancing days, from his Shark Tank days, or just, hey, he's out there. Let's talk about him. What do you think? So, Bonnie, I'm going to age myself. I have known Mark Cuban, um, not like a personal friend, but known and been in his circle since the 1990s. So before he actually made his millions and billions, um, and what fascinated me about him is back in the 1990s, he was bold and innovative and had a passion and challenged uh, the status quo. And so I've been following his career since then. Very, very interesting. Now let's talk about the quote. That's good to know. Uh, yeah, that's very good to know, actually. I find him fascinating to watch on Shark Tank. I'm always waiting for him to quietly decide to chime in and say something very important. So just trying to be great at it. Is that enough, Lorraine? Is that enough for an entrepreneur? Is that something, if you were coaching someone, would you say, yeah, just try to be great at it? What do you think? Well, I don't think it's the just trying to be great at it. I think if you love something and you have a passion for it, you have to be your best. You have to put best practices into place. You have to surround yourself with the best people that can work with you to succeed. And you have to have the best technology. So being great to me is not about just, you know, doing your best or being great. It's about bringing a level of excellence to the things that you love in order to succeed. Mm, I like that, and that's certainly what he has done. Thank you very much, Lorraine. Pleasure to get to know you, and you're certainly in good, esteemed company with our other panelists today. And with that note, I'm going to circle back to Susan Solovic. Susan, are you in New York today, or where are you? And you know what I'm asking. What are you drinking right now? Or if you want to, Susan, tell us what you were drinking on New Year's Eve, if that's more interesting. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I tell you what, I had a nice martini, kettle one up, a little... uh, olive juice in there and blue cheese stuffed olives on New Year's Eve. And I even took a picture of it, posted it right up there on my (laughs) Facebook page. But today I'm actually drinking uh, uh, Crystal Light. Now, this is my new thing, Bonnie, because I drink a lot of water. I try to stay away from anything that has um, a lot of bubbly in it, you know, so it's Mm. not good for my throat. So I drink a lot of water, but you get tired of drinking water all the time. So I have discovered Crystal Light. You pour the one in the little bottle, water bottle, shake it up. And right now I'm drinking Crystal Light Lemonade, and it's delicious. 
I have had that. I think I even have a container that's probably way past the expiration date, although I'm not sure it has one, Susan. In my refrigerator, you have inspired me. Yes, I'm not a big fan of water, but I recently got an espresso as a gift and a virtue line, and I am learning how to take that fabulous Altissimo or whatever they call it, one of the, the uh, nine that's the caliber of strength, the nine espresso, and add some steamed milk and wow. But of course, it's only decaf for me, Susan. You know that. So thank you very much. I know. I'm going to go. No caffeine for Bonnie. <laughs> That's right. You've been on the show too many times. Thank you. Although uh, I think there's still enough caffeine in a decaf that I'm a little wired this morning. I cheated and had some espresso this morning. What can I tell you? Thank you, Susan. That's a good picture. If you want to send me the link, I'd love to go see what you posted. I the will picture do that, Bonnie. It's beautiful. Yes. It's like nice ice on the edges. They frozen the glass. Oh, it was the perfect martini. I I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Karen Kerrigan, what are you drinking now, or do you want to give us what you imbibed on New Year's Eve? Your choice. Well, actually, uh, maybe what, I, what I'll be drinking a little, a little bit later might be a little more fun to, to share with the audience. Right now I'm drinking water, um, but uh, later tonight I'll be joining a great friend of mine uh, from my college days uh, at a, a place called the Tasting Room Wine and Bar Shop, which is in Western Western Virginia. Our office is in Northern Virginia. I'm big on Virginia in terms of everything made, grown, created in Virginia, um, and I especially like the growth in the in the wine industry. Um, you know, the wine industry now contributes about seven hundred fifty million dollars to our state's economy. So later today, I'll be at the Tasting Room Wine and Bar. Uh, which is uh, basically run by the Boxwood Estate Winery in Middleburg, Virginia, drinking some of their fine wine, their fine Virginia wine. And um, if folks want to join us, I think there's a webcam on their website. <laughs> I can, we could do a cheer together around 7.15 or 7.30. But really, the, the, wine, uh, the wine industry in Virginia uh, is growing, and the quality of the wine is absolutely fantastic. And, of course, the pairing of the quality of the wine with the quality of the scenery is a big winner for the state of Virginia. So, Do you um, know, Karen, i got to jump yeah. in really quickly because I did a story on a small business started by a husband and wife. It's, called, it's a distillery in, in Virginia, in that area, Catoctin Creek, and they just won a big award for the best rye whiskey. So you might have to check that out sometime. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll definitely add that to my list, Susan. It's a small world when you're talking about good things to drink, right? Thank you very right. much. Thank you very much, Karen. I appreciate that. And anybody who's in her neck of the woods, go check it out, or at least the webcam. I, that's good to know, watching people drink. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. And Lorraine Maurice, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking now, or share something interesting with us? I am calling from Atlanta, Georgia, where our sprinkling of snow this week closed the city, So, which is always very fascinating to me, being a, an original Northeasterner. Um, mm-hmm. I am drinking sparkling water. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It makes me feel very European and then keeps me a little cl- closer to my customers. Uh, however, uh, uh, New Year's Eve, speaking of uh, European, I was drinking a uh, Gin and tonic and cucumbers, Hendrix tonic, which was introduced mm. to me by a very dear friend and colleague and has become a personal favorite. So if you have not tried 
a gin and tonic with cucumber. Uh, I would recommend it. And uh, from what I understand, it only works best with Hendrick. So, um, again, a, a brand preference. What do you do with the cucumber? Do you slice it and float it on top, or do you squeeze it, or do you take the, the juice out of it? What do you do? You just slice it and float it on top like it would be a lemon or a lime, and but it adds a lovely flavor to it. Now, I have to tell you, in the States, it's a little hard to get the cucumber. They always have to, especially if it's just a bar, but if it's a restaurant, they'll go find you one. But it is uh, refreshing and fabulous. Well, I think it's very popular because I just Googled gin and tonic with cucumber and there is a, an amazingly beautiful picture where they have made ribbons. Susan, you're going to love this. They have created ribbons out of the cucumber, slicing it very thin, probably with a, uh, some, like a potato peeler. And it says, for someone who's absolutely obsessed with G&Ts, I find it shocking. I don't have a recipe for one on Simply Delicious yet. Anyway, this person has posted it and the website, of course, is simplydeliciousfood.com. Just Google gin and tonic with cucumber. Lorraine, that's an eye-opener and probably a lot more than that. Thank you very much, ladies. Guess what? I'm going to give you all a chance to go sip something, but please be careful because we are coming back on the radio in a minute, and we do have to talk for another uh, 45 minutes or so, so make sure you're, yes, you can still talk and drive at the same time. So we're speaking today about small business coaching, navigating business in 2016. The roundtable is going to be a little different than usual. We'll have two themes we want to cover and a lot to talk talk about. We're going to be speaking with Susan Solovic, Karen Kerrigan, and Lorraine Maurice about, we're going to talk about coaching and mentoring in the first part, and then we're going to segue to business predictions for small businesses and entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. So wherever you fall on that spectrum, on that continuum, if you will, of business interests, I think you're going to want to listen up. These ladies know what they're talking about. They are thought leaders in their own rights, and together it's a powerful conversation. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and we'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio, episode number 215. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
We're back. And speaking of tweeting, the water is warm, the pool is ready, and Jackie Prouse, my colleague at SAP, is tweeting there at hashtag SAP Radio, as are our panelists and a lot of other people. So please join us, follow the conversation, and we'd love to have your comments. I'm going to open this part of the show, the roundtable, with a quote from Luis Murgua, Murgua, Senior VP and General Manager of SAP Business One, because we're going to cover first the topic of coaching and mentoring. He says, the world's most successful people, ranging from top CEOs to elite athletes, all have one thing in common. They enlist the support of a coach. Why should it be different for small business owners? Fabulous quote. Great to kick us off. Susan Solovic, let's start with your notes that you sent me before the show about this topic, coaching and mentoring. You told me January is National Mentoring Month, so it's very important. And you also said things are tough out there. So let's talk, Susan, about how to find a mentor. Don't be afraid to ask. What about peer-to-peer groups? What about getting involved? And mentors from afar. So, Susan, I'm going to give you like two and a half minutes. And uh, why don't you take us through your overview of coaching and mentoring? Why is 2016 the year for small business owners and entrepreneurs to reach out and get a coach or a mentor? Well, I think it's because we've been through a really rough patch, and I think that there's still some more volatility to come, Bonnie. And so why try to go out and do everything on your own? If you have a coach or a mentor who's had experience and expertise and can keep you from taking that, you know, stubbing your toe or, or taking a wrong turn, that's such a great benefit and such a great advantage. And I think if you talk to most successful entrepreneurs and really most successful professionals, at some point in their careers and their lives or many, many times, they've had that special person, that special mentor. And I get asked that a lot from people, like, how do you find a mentor? Well, you know, you don't really necessarily go out and look it up in the, uh, online on the phone, uh, phone book saying mentors. And that's certainly true of coaches, too. So let me just give you a caveat here. Not Mm -hmm. all coaches are created equally. So Mm -hmm. if you are going to look for a coach, you want to make sure that you're finding someone who specializes in business. There are personal life coaches, um, you know, spiritual coaches, but you want someone who knows business. And you also want someone who has a good understanding for your industry. For example, I wouldn't go to a coach who had spent an entire career focused on IT because that doesn't really address what I do, which is creative and writing and such. But sometimes mentors just sort of fall into our lives. And I'll give you one quick example. Uh, When I had my first corporate career, I came out of television news into a corporate environment to do corporate video, but I also had to do print work. And I, when I interviewed, the gentleman who eventually became my, vo- my boss said, are you a good writer? And I looked at him directly in the eye and I said, I'm excellent. Well, after writing a number of print pieces for him and getting them all marked up and read, and yes, those were the days where you still handed in your assignments mm-hmm. <laughs> and then had to retype them. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I went in and I sat down with him and I was in tears. And I said, I just can't do this. And he handed me a box of Kleenex, and he he then said, first, don't ever cry like that in business. But he said, secondly, he said, you're a very good writer. He said, but you could be a great writer. That's why I'm harder on you than I am on anyone else. He was my mentor without me even knowing it. So a lot of times these things happen. For a business owner, I just say, you know what? One of the best things you can do is to invest in lunch. 
take someone out who's already lived it, been through the trenches, has that experience, and pick their brain. Ask open-ended questions. And, you know, that mentor relationship may develop down the road, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a formal thing. And I will also say this, I get asked to mentor people a lot. And, you know, as I was coaching uh, the winner of the Big Dream Big contest, um, I, you know, I get asked to mentor a lot. It's always flattering. So never, ever be afraid to ask someone. Very nice. And, and let me just touch one more thing with you, Susan, mentoring from afar. It can be somebody you've never met. Uh, how can you do that? Is this through the benefit of the magic, I call it, of Skype, of uh, FaceTime, of, of uh, finding somebody? Let, let's say somebody's listening to the show today and they, they hear you, Karen, Lorraine, and they say, oh, my goodness, what I wouldn't give to have, let's say, Lorraine Maurice as my mentor. And they contact Lorraine. Can this be done long distance, Susan? Well, it can be, and certainly when I was coaching the winner of the Dream Big contest, we Mm -hmm. did that via Skype. So, you know, never really met in person. We did video conferencing via Skype. But when I talk about mentoring from afar, what I suggest is people to really look at individuals and thought leaders and people they really admire and pay attention to the things they do. How do they lead? How do they make their accomplishments? Mm -hmm. How do they articulate that and, and establish their value? And learn from that. Pick and choose what works for you and learn from that. One of my biggest mentors I didn't uh, really actually ever meet until I was really in my 40s, but I grew up reading uh, Michael Gerber's books, The E-Myth Theory, and I learned so much about building business and structure and process and scalability from reading his books that I felt like I had his voice in my head. So when I got to meet him, he was in his 70s, and I, I said to him, you know, I said, you were like my rock star growing up. You know? So I was so enamored to actually finally get to meet him. So that's sort of, you know, you can really follow people, especially today with technology, sure. you know, read what they're writing, watch what they're doing, and learn how they're making those steps to success, and then pattern yourself after that. Thank you for clarifying, Susan, all great points. And let's turn to Karen Kerrigan. Karen, thoughts on mentoring and coaching? You can comment on what Susan shared, or I'd love it if you've add some more pointers from your own list. Karen? Sure. Um, I definitely agree with Susan in terms of, um, you know, if you're a startup or an entrepreneur or a business owner who wants to uh, see growth in your firm, that, um, you know, a coach or a mentoring relationship is, is really critical you know, given the, you know, just the changes that are happening in the economy, you know, given the fact that it's very, very difficult to scale a business. So you want to be with someone, talk to someone, have someone there that can, that you can tap into that can, um, um, uh, you know, with advice on someone that's been there uh, and done that. So, you know, in terms of finding a mentor, there are really plenty of successful business people and entrepreneurs who believe in the pay forward economy. So um, I think it's really important that as an entrepreneur uh, or someone that is starting a business that, you know, you don't isolate yourself, that you continue to build your network and you continue to network, that uh, there are local business organizations, um, you know, industry organizations and formal networking groups. I mean, you, you don't want to isolate yourself. You need to be with other people. And that's how you're going to find um, these, you know, these mentoring uh, relationships and, and folks that you could possibly, you know, tap into who can, who can provide you with some guidance. Um, uh, I, you know, I would be rather selective when it comes to people that 
um, could potentially mentor you. I mean, you do want to have someone that is, you know, maybe 10, 15 steps ahead of where you want to be in terms of the business. Uh, The person should have some overlap in your vision, you know, for the future and fill a specific need. Uh, for example, lack of expertise that you might have in a certain area. Mm-hmm. And also you may want to consider multiple mentors or, you know, or putting together a board of advisors. The range of the experiences that these several mentors uh, can bring to the table as well as their specific skill sets um, and networks will be an asset to your business. Plus you won't overlo- overload uh, one person um, with excessive asks. But, um, you know, like you know, you, you brought the whole thing about, you know, you don't have to sort of be face-to-face and mm-hmm. uh, you can mentor from afar. But the most successful mentoring relationships that I've had with mentors have been via phone or via email. Um, you know, occasionally I get together and, and talk with them, learn from the experiences, hear their stories and their principles, and that has helped me. But also just, you know, quick phone calls or sending an email uh, and getting advice uh, that way. Um, uh, and in addition, if you are someone that is considering being a mentor, I would do that too. Um, help someone else. I mean, it, I enjoy being a mentor, particularly for young entrepreneurs, because I learn so much from them uh, mm-hmm. in terms of technologies and where the economy is headed and, you know, sort of the whole, uh, uh, the, the millennial generation, what they're thinking. Um, and that has helped me a lot in terms of, being a more effective uh, person that represents uh, businesses and uh, can and can help our our our, our members as well, um, you know, navigate navigate you know the changes that are taking place in the economy and with consumers and in the marketplace in general. Thank you, Karen. I have one question before we turn to Lorraine. I know she has some very interesting things to add to the discussion. But, Karen, when you say multiple mentors, do you tell your, you know, there's an old joke, uh, the perfect man, uh, you need one who will, Susan, Susan probably has heard this one, one who loves the movies and one who loves to cook and one who loves to give back rubs, but just don't tell them all that, that you're using somebody else for each of those things because you'll never find one package. So forgive me. So going to that, Karen, do you tell your other mentors, hey, Susan is coaching me on writing and I know that's not your expertise, uh, uh, Mary, and Mary is coaching me on um, uh, networking, and I know that's not Bob's expertise, and Bob is coaching me on, I don't know, on how to paint a sign over my building. So do you tell them that you've assembled a cadre, if you will, Karen, or do you just keep that to yourself, how many mentors you have? Is there any danger in that? No, I don't think so. I think think, um, a, a, a mentor... Um, or an individual would respect the fact that you're getting uh, ideas and opinions and advice from a range of different people. Um, obviously, okay. they're a, as a successful business person that is mentoring you, they've had to do exactly that as well, tap into different people, experts, get a variety of different, uh, you know, pieces of advice, um, you know, from, uh, from, from folks. So, no, I would definitely share that um, and um, and be open about that. I see there I see that there's no harm in that at all. Okay, thank you. And now I want to bring in Lorraine Maurice. And Lorraine, you sent me a, a note here in your talking points. You said, according to the Harvard Business Review, potential is a greater resource than skill set or intelligence. Let's talk about potential and the CEO of you from your notes about coaching and mentoring. Lorraine, please. No, thank you. Quite frankly, Bonnie, if this wasn't a radio show, I'd go ditto, 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 and say, okay, I'm done, because all of the 
made are, are extremely appropriate. Um, you know, potential is, is truly understanding what's in front of you and what's available to you. And again, taking advantage of that to, to put in place the plan you need to succeed. So understanding the potential within you, your business environment, and, and your customer base. And what I mean by that and how that translates into the CEO of you or the CEO of me is that, you know, we all know the book, you know, Who Moved My Cheese. Our, our world mm-hmm. is changing dramatically, and it, quite frankly, is becoming smaller because of the technology. And so it's really important to keep up with the marketplace, your customer trends, and then your even local community and environment. And it's really hard to do that when you're a small business or a single person running a business as an entrepreneur. So like my the previous speakers talked about, it's really six, surrounding yourself with successful people. And I call it the CEO of me and creating my own board of directors. Um, how do, Who do you look towards? And this is where I agree with Karen that you do share with people that you have other coaches or mentors in your life. Who is the best person, the best thought leader on financial situations, on technology trends, on marketplace or marketing? Finding these people and putting them into your life and into your business is critical because, you know, somebody once said, nobody is smarter than all of us. And that doesn't mean that you have to take the exact advice from everybody. It's about listening, absorbing, and then putting into place what's part of your potential and what's part of your plan. So I talk about the the board of directors, and I look at the difference between small business and, and, and corporate America. The one thing I find is the lack of a formal mentor. Um, I think because corporate America, sometimes they put that as part of your plans um, and they have them available to you. It makes it maybe a little easier. But it's equally as important um, on the small business side because there are so many values and benefits, you know, whether it's finding and reaching new customers, whether it's about prioritizing and how not to be overwhelmed, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, again, I go back to technology because I've been in technology marketing forever, but it's really critical that you do find these people. And the difference, um, although it's there, can be the same, and that's actually making it a little more formalized, uh, putting it on your calendar to, to meet with uh, your board of directors um, on a consistent basis, keeping notes, um, taking take, having an action plan when you go to the meeting. I do agree that you need to have ad hoc, ad hoc calls, you know, conversations as things come up, but I think that having something formalized, you know, looking at it, creating a small board of directors org chart that you can visualize is really important to succeeding and, you know, being smarter and being creating that CEO of you and of your business. Thank you very much. Good insights, Lorraine. I'm just going to go quickly around the table. Susan, anything you want to add before we go to business predictions? And then I'll give Karen a turn, and then we are going to turn to our prediction segment, which I know everybody is eagerly awaiting. So, Susan, any comments on what Karen and or Lorraine just added? I would just I would endorse everything that they have said. I totally agree of this concept of having a board of advisors. On a cautionary note, I would also say if you're going to – work with someone as a mentor, you know, you need to really establish the expectations. So if in your head, you're thinking you're going to go to breakfast every Wednesday morning with Mm -hmm. them and suck up that kind of time, 
that might probably isn't going to work for them. So you have to be realistic about your expectation. And you also, if someone's going to invest themselves in you and your business, you need to be accountable. So if you're saying you're going to get something done, you need to step up to the plate and see that it gets done. I was mentoring a young woman, and she wanted to start a blog. And yet every time I would circle back with her about her blog, there was always some excuse. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, excuses just don't work for me. It's action. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to take action. So I think the reasonable expectation and the accountability are two important keys. Very, very, very good point, Susan. And blogging is certainly a, a special case. I was teaching Blogging 101 for the Great Neck Adult Program a couple of years ago, and I had some bright-eyed wannabes who would walk into my class and say, oh, I want to blog. I want to talk about this and that. And I'd say, great. What have you done? Well, I started a blog. I have my name on it, and I have some great pictures. And I said, how often do you blog? Well, once every three or four weeks, and it's been six months. And I said, What? What? Well, I'm thinking about it. I said, you have no credibility. You have no content. Nobody will follow you. You've set an expectation. You've let everybody down. Either you're going to commit, put it on your calendar. You're going to do something. You're going to blog about something a couple days a week, 10 minutes a day, or this is not for you. They just didn't get it. I understand, Susan. Susan, question for you before I get Karen to chime in quickly. Do you always have to pay a mentor or could a mentor be somebody who really just wants to help you because, I don't know, does that exist? Is there a pay scale for mentoring or coaching today? No. So a mentor is, uh, at least my opinion of it, would be someone that you're not paying. That's just a relationship base. That's someone who wants to help you. A coach is a different story. And I think, once again, the range of paying for coaches could be as low as maybe like $100 an hour that you're paying them or a monthly retainer fee up to, I've literally paid as much as $10,000 to work with a coach uh, for a month. So, you know, I think that it depends on the level that you need. So early on, you certainly don't need that $10,000 coach. But, um, you know, at some point in your career, you may need someone who has that expertise and that level to push you. And, you know, I, I, when I worked with that coach, I have to say, she did push me, and she made me do things and think through things that I knew intellectually I needed to do, but I didn't have the time to do, and I was making excuses for myself. So it's always good to have that person that's pushing you just a little bit harder. Thank you. I wanted to get that on the table because I think everybody was wondering. Thank you. Karen Kerrigan, quickly, any comments to add before we dive headlong into our predictions? What do you think, well, Karen? Well, just to, to build on um, uh, Susan's comments and, you know, just some basic tips, um, you know, regarding the mentoring relationship. I think it's just really important that if you are be, being mentored that you're organized, you're prepared, you're consistent, that you are respectful of your mentor's time and uh, you cannot expect your mentor to run your business for you to, or make decisions for you. So you do have to have realistic expect, expectations about what a mentor can provide for you. And finally, be someone who is enjoyable to mentor. Uh, be positive and um, uh, uh, open, flexible, resilient, respectful, um, eager to learn, and, and accountable, um, following through on the advice that is, is provided or, um, and, and giving the mentor, you know, feedback on perhaps how you um, applied that advice and how it is helping you as a business owner to grow your firm. 
Thank you very much, Lorraine. I'll give you one one round of comment quickly. Thoughts? Sure. Uh, not to repeat what's said, because again, I agree. The one one thing I would add to the commentary about um, being accountable and, and being consistent um, is also remember your 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 mentor or the people you surround yourself with are part of your network. Um, and so, when you're not enjoyable, when you're and you're not held accountable, and you don't come through, that's a reflection on your business. So, not only is it uh, disrespectful to the person that you're taking time from, but it also can be impactful to your business, um, your brand, and, and the word of mouth that comes from having this type of community. And then the other point I'd like to make is that, you know, there is a time and place, and, and I have a personal paid-for mentor, and, and it went from my business because I am such a big fan um, and have seen the success it's provided others. But then there are organizations that do exist that, that you can use. Um, you know, there's the SCORE organization that's a nonprofit supported by the SBA. You know, here in Atlanta through Georgia Tech, we have something called Flashpoint, which is another organization, again, run primarily by volunteers. So I think it was Karen that, or Susan, I apologize, that talked about volunteering and helping those that are younger out and what you can give them and what you can learn. But there are places and people to get started, and, and you just have to be diligent to look and then, again, be respectful. Very good points. Thank you for the references. Appreciate that, Lorraine. Susan Solovic, let's circle back to you. Instead of stopping the ground table at 51 or 52 after to give you each 60 or 90 seconds for your predictions, let's just do a full tilt prediction. So we've got, let's see, uh, we've got almost 10 minutes left. So let's do three minutes apiece and see how far we go. So business predictions for small businesses, entrepreneurs, wannabe slash aspiring entrepreneurs. Susan Solovic, let's start with you. And I'm just going to read one comment from your notes. You say, as As we watch the U.S. presidential candidates all talk about the importance of small business, I'm not going to make a comment, Susan. I'm just going to say dot, (laughs) dot, dot. Susan, what does this mean to SB, small business owners? What's going on out there? What are your predictions? So what, what we see, and we've seen in all recent elections particularly, is there's a lot of rhetoric about this, the importance of small business. You know, everyone says small business is the economic engine that drives this country. Small businesses are the job creators. Small businesses are the innovators. All those are great, but they're just words. They are words, and ideas without action mean nothing. And what has happened, particularly in many cases, because of the, the way our federal government works in terms of uh, other than the president, you, know, you can be in Congress for your whole life if you want. You can be in the Senate for your whole life. You've got political appointees, you know, who are, are not truly public servants. And they probably have never run a small business in their entire life. So when they talk about issues that are important to small business, they don't really understand the nuances about which they speak. And what also happens then is we see policies and regulations and laws passed that have really probably unintended consequences and a huge and significant and serious impact on small small businesses' ability to succeed because they just didn't understand. They didn't even know the right questions to ask. And that's alarming to me. And, I, you know, I look at our candidates now, and, you know, I see, I hear a lot of things that could be helpful for small businesses, 
will it really happen? Will it really get through Congress? If Congress continues to, to behave the way it has, which has completely polarized this country, and the best that we can hope for is nothing, <laughs> stalemate, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, because we don't want to be hurt anymore. But, you know, my position is, and, you know, I don't mean to be political, but I think the best thing we could do for this country is to put term limits on those senators and those congressmen so they wouldn't be living their entire lives doing this job and they would have a better understanding of what it's like to be out there in the private world and also they would have a better understanding and would not be as beholden to the big fundraisers who are lining their pockets and funding their campaigns and boy i really went off on my soapbox didn't i <laughs> that's okay it's, it's a very interesting time for us here in this country and and business is the fuel it is the engine and we're all very concerned about what's going to happen especially susan and i'm not going to wax political uh but you'd have to be living under a rock to not see what's happening with the stock market and people's hopes and dreams going back to somebody's quotes just slithering under another rock today wondering what's going yeah go um, ahead i I did a show a newsmax show recently and we were talking about the stock market and we were talking about the last gop debates and um you know i said the one thing and I, i made a joke i said i hope that uh, Janet Yellen is listening to this program right now, but I think the one thing that the Fed fails to even examine in its equation of its analysis of the health of this economy is the state of small business. And Karen can probably speak more to this than I, but the number of small business startups is fall, has fallen below the number of closures. And I think it's by a gap like by 100,000 a year. Now, until that economic trend is turned around and we get small businesses growing again, this economy is going to be at a tepid recovery at best. And nobody talks about that economic indicator. Mm, okay. Thank you very much. And by the way, I'm just going to add one little quote you added in your notes here. You say Barry Manilow and Susan still loves him. I think a lot of us do. <laughs> Sings, I made it through, and I'm not going to sing, please, God forbid. Okay. I made it through the rain and found myself respected by the other, the others who made it through. And Susan says that's a good analogy for yeah. small businesses in 2016. Yeah. Susan, thank you. Karen Kerrigan, you have been channeled by Susan Solovic, and we want to hear what are your ideas, what are your predictions? from your position of certainly great knowledge here. Uh, You have helped foster U.S. entrepreneurship and global small business growth for more than a quarter of a century, and now your role as president and CEO of the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. So, Karen Kerrigan, uh, why don't you take about two and a half minutes max, so we have a little time left for Lorraine at the end, to talk about your business predictions for 2016. Go ahead, Karen. Well, I think, yeah, being here in Washington uh, and in the nation's capital and up on Capitol Hill and visiting, you know, various federal agencies in the White House to talk about small business a lot, you know, I, there is there is definitely, um, I know the uh, partisanship and the lack of things not getting done that grabs all the headlines, you know, but there is more bipartisanship in Washington than, um, than, than, than what you read uh, in the headlines and in the newspapers. You know, at the end of last year, at the end of 2015, uh, uh, there was a, a terrific, um, you know, package of um, a, a tax package uh, that made permanent, you know, key tax provisions for small business in terms of what's called Section 179 expensing that made permanent made permanent a higher level of expensing so that 
um, they would be they could actually plan and expend more for their capital expenditures. Um, the re- research and development tax credit, which has been temporary for 30 years now, uh, that was made permanent at the end of last year, and actually it was strengthened so that more startups and small business owners can use the tax credit. And throughout the course of last year as well, you know, there had been little improvements here and there on the regulatory side, on the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, that made technical corrections to that law. And I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities to do that in 2016. It's an election year. People want to get things done on both sides of the aisle. Um, Certainly, it's President Obama's last year in office, and he has a lot writing on his legacy uh, in terms of how he has helped the economy. So he's going to be pushing the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, which is the big trade agreement that probably won't get voted on until after the elections, perhaps during the lame duck session. Mm -hmm. But certainly during between now and then, there are a lot of bipartisan bills on on regulatory reform front, uh, things that will improve capital formation and capital access. I think we're going to continue to see a boom uh, in the area of um, uh, alternative financing and online financing uh, for small businesses. It will probably come with a little bit of regulation because the regulators are beginning to look at that whole space now. Um, you're going to see uh, Title III of the JOBS Act, equity and debt-based crowdfunding, where non-accredited investors can now invest in startups and the businesses that they believe in. So there's a lot of things uh, that are basically... Uh, being implemented and executed on now that have been worked on the past couple of years, but I think there's there's some good things ahead. On the other hand, I mean, small business owners are going to have to watch what's happening on the regulatory side, particularly when it comes to workplace regulations and new compliance things that they might have to deal with. But, you know, I feel I, I, I'm very optimistic uh, on the policy side. I mean, we continue to fight against some bad things, but there's, I think, a lot of good things happening that will to continue to support and encourage op- entrepreneurship for the thank long you term. For the, we may be thank going you through for a little op- bump right now, but in my <laughs> long term, I'm very optimistic. Bumpity, bumpity, bump. Lorraine Maurice, I saved about a minute and a half for you. We're running a little bit short, so I know you want to talk about mobility. Mobile matters more than ever. If you're not prepared, you've got to be mobile in your business. Lorraine, why don't you just finish up business predictions with the importance of the digital economy, video, sound bites, mobile. Just give me a one-minute wrap-up, Lorraine, please. I'll make it quick. Um, Based on what these ladies said, at the end of the day, you need to be bold and innovative to win, and you have to be current. Your buyer has changed. The world is getting smaller. And you need to make sure that your content, which is truly clean king to your success, um, is optimized for the way your buyer is absorbing information. So my, my, my guidance is look at your websites, look at your content, Make sure you're optimized, whether you're in B2B or B2C. It's really important to make sure that you have your information where your buyer wants to find it. The salesperson is still alive and is still important. However, the journey in which the buyer gets to the salesperson has changed, which means awareness and consideration for your services is starting differently, and it's starting with being online, having mobile access, and having good content. 
Thank you very much. Words of wisdom, and I hope everybody notes those down. We're certainly going to tweet about them. I have to say a thank you to, of course, Jacqueline Prouse, Jackie to me, my colleague at SAP for putting together this wonderful panel and for working on the wonderful sweepstakes that Susan participated. Susan Solovic was the prize, and I'm sure we're going to hear from Susan and the winner soon in the coming months. Today's topic was small business coach navigating business in 2016. Lots of great insights from my three panelists. Thank you, Susan Solovic. Thank you, Karen Kerrigan. Thank you, Lorraine Maurice. Always a pleasure. And Lorraine, wonderful to meet you. And the same for Karen and Susan. Come back soon. You know you will. And shout out to Justin and the Business Channel team. I have one minute. Let me tell you what's new and coming up. I have some predictions. Quickly, predictions are we just started a show this week called The Future of the Future with Game Changers. As if that's not enough. Next week, we debut a new series called The Future of Cars with Game Changers. You don't want to miss that one. Don't get left out. As uh, Lorraine says, be current, be bold, and innovative. That's what automotive is doing. And then the week after, we're debuting another new series called Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It's time for us to say bye-bye. So I will see you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock Eastern here on the Business Channel with another edition of Game Changers. I can't, Let's see who we are tomorrow. Tomorrow is... Um, uh, meet the visionary game changers I think so many shows so little time so thank you all for listening and here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today bye bye thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP the best run businesses run SAP to keep the Coffee Break conversation going tweet your questions and comments to Twitter Hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. <laughs>